For the past decade, our teams have been working incredibly hard to make some big and much needed changes in how we develop leaders while at work. I challenge you to forge your own path in your own leadership evolution. Consider one that makes the lives of people around you and the business better by building more purpose-driven leaders and relationships with your teams. We need to build leaders who truly care about those they see and engage each and every day. We invite you to hear more about our own leadership and cultural journey, and the impactful stories will surely resonate with you and your teams. Hello again, this is Edgar Cabello, one of the leadership directors at Lippert with the Built to Lead podcast. We have with us today a couple of very special guests, Darius Jackson, who works in our offline axles at Plant 45 in Goshen, and Nate Palmatier, one of our leaders within axles as well. The reason I'm doing the introduction this way is because we were briefing one another for the recording, and the conversation just started. And rather than interrupting it to do the normal welcome, we just went with it. So what you're about to hear is um, it was pretty organic and it was pretty powerful, quite frankly. And we just went with it. And so you're going to pick up right in the midst of a conversation that already had some momentum. And I think you're going to enjoy this really powerful story that Darius tells us of his troubled past and how he just absolutely chose to make an about face in his life and do it differently, do life differently. And and the way that he came to us at Lippert is, honestly, it's not nearly as remarkable as his story, but man, are we grateful for the fact that we ended up crossing paths and he continues to be a contributing part of our team every single day and a leader, the kind of leader without a title, frankly, but a leader just the same. So enjoy this episode of the Built to Lead podcast. Again, my name is Edgar Cabello. I'm your host, along with Nate Pulmatier, one of our leaders in Axles and our very special guest, Darius Jackson. So they were basically civilizing him according to their customs. At one point, he escaped and came back to West Africa to his tribe. As an adult now, it's been years, years down the line just to speed it up a little bit. When he came back, they wasn't, they wasn't welcoming him back because they felt like he'd been, you know, like, you, you, you French now. He was raised by them, you know, they, you know, came in their school system, you sound different, you look different, you talk different, so, you know, he didn't want that, like, to see his village, his grandparents, his mother, you know, everybody shunning them away, like, it broke him down. So he was begging them, like, give me a chance to show you, you know what I mean, give me a chance to show you. He has to go through initiation stage to prove himself. And part of the stage, like, my favorite part, I won't go through, because it was long duration of time, but the, the part that influenced me the most was, they put him in front of this tree, and he's a grown man, he's an adult now, but all the other initiates are kids, because I think at 12 is when they, mm. you know what I mean, yeah, get initiated of age. in the manhood. Yep. So 12 years old, all these kids, they standing in front of these trees and just staring at it, and the leaders of the village are like, tell me what you see. And they giving all these answers about what they see, but he can't hear anybody else's answers, so... He the last one left. You know, they keep asking him, and every answer that he give, they laugh at him like, you know, he never going to get it. He never going to, you know what I mean? He's not one of us anymore. And finally, when he realized, when he seen, he just like broke down in tears and hugged the tree. But what he saw was a woman. He seen like the tree was alive, and it was a female. And, you know what I mean? Like, that was touching to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. What is it about that? <laughs> well, everything. It don't matter. It don't matter what we're dealing with, but everything physically that you see is a uh, is male and female. You know what I mean? Throughout the entire universe. So. What I come to find, you know, like through my studies and people that influence me is like, of course, everything that's solid, that's matter, comes from thought and a man building with his hands. But the thought is the beginning of it all. And the female, we all come from the female. So she should be the head of it all. But we come from a like a matriarchal system. So they push the female to the side and it's just all, you know what I mean? Rah, rah, rah. So it just gave me an interesting perspective. Yeah. Like, cause yeah. I came from yeah. a matriarchal. Mom, right? You know what I mean? And that was, <laughs> that's and that's right. just easy for me to see. Like, right on. That's one thing we I all got that. in common. Like that's we deep, all came man. from our mother. You know what I mean? We right. can start there something simple. And then you can find other similarities that, you know what I mean? Bring us along. But yeah, I hold the, I hold the woman in high regard, man. I when when are you writing your book, man? Like when are you writing your book? <laughs> <laughs> when I got time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's deep. I, I appreciate that. What is it about the discipline of reading? You're, um, you're, you're doing time now, right? Mm -hmm. um, got some time on your hands. Mm -hmm. you, you start just tearing through books. Yeah. What, what is it about reading and the discipline of reading for you? I just got excited about like learning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because coming up, I feel like. I was more conditioned, like I was being, I was more programmed because I wasn't really interested in school. So I was just kind of like influenced by the people around me. And yeah. it was just like, you know, I can't really grasp anything from my, like my early childhood that like, that I learned that's still like stuck with me today from, because I didn't read much, you know what I mean? I, I'll go to school, but outside of school, it was no secondary education yeah. for me. It was, just, that was it. Go to school, come home and run the streets, you know what I mean? So when I actually sat down and started investing time and reading and just the excitement of learning something new, yeah. you know what I mean? That's where it started at. And then sharing it with other people, okay. seeing how it, you know what I mean? They yeah. Them get excited like, dang, you know, I never... I never, I never heard that, or I never thought of that. I never, where you, where you hear, where you get that from, and seeing how it impact other people, that became exciting for me. You know right. what I mean? So I just focused on that. Like, like when, like so when you when you started to develop this habit and this discipline of of reading. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my mind, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm like, I'm. You're in the library, man. Like, yeah. you're going after that next book, right? Yeah. And and you're really eating this up. It's nourishing your soul. Yeah. And are you having conversations with the people around you at that time? Yeah, I actually kind of join, kind of join like a group. Okay, you know what I mean? Because yep. prison is very segregated, very segregated by the main one is race, and then once you break that barrier, it becomes segregated by you know people want to go, you know the the committing crimes don't stop. Yeah. Once you're in prison, you know what I mean. It actually, escalates. You start people start thinking they're smarter criminals and coming up with clever ways to create. So, getting away from that now, you know what I mean. Okay, I got this group of people I could go. You know what I mean. And they seem like they functioning all right. We're not being a part of the criminal lifestyle that I'm trying to get away from. Right. So I get invited to like a group like on Saturdays. And it's no title to it, so I can't like give you. A, but they would go down and they would have a circle, like mm -hmm. a men's circle, mm -hmm. lay a topic on the floor, and then build on that, and then just kind of go from there. 
So I went, and I was sitting in the men's circle, and two men stuck out. There's probably about maybe like five, six guys that spoke the first time I went. Two of them, like everything they had to say, I was just like, like wow, you know what I mean? I need to, whatever they are part of, I need to gravitate towards that because this two of the smartest men I've ever heard in my life, you know what I mean? So that's how I started. Okay. I connected with them, and I was probably, I was the youngest in the group. And at that time, I was probably like 21, 22. Wow. And I would go meet with them in the libraries, and they would, okay, read this. You know what I mean? Tell me what you think about this. Yeah. And it kind of started from there. And uh, just to touch on, like, like, the connection that I had with them, I was walking the yard one day with the two with the two men. And I'm like, I was just so thirsty for the for the information. Like, no, I wanna I wanna talk about what y'all was talking about in the men's circle. Let's but they wanna pick and choose what type of information or what books they give me. But I know it's more to it. And I'm trying to hurry up and get to that. And one of the men, his name was Eli, and he told me, he said, just like, you're gonna get it, just have patience. But just always be mindful of the people that's around you. You know, what, what you take in by your ears, what you take in by your eyes, always be mindful of it. And most importantly, always be mindful of what come out your mouth because what you say is gonna have an impact not only on the people around you or the things around you, but energy doesn't, it doesn't die or destroy. It just transfers. So what comes out your mouth, you don't know where it go or who takes it in. That's how important it is and it could cause life or death. And he said, um, just always keep that in mind. You know what I mean? And that that just like everything that they say, yeah, yeah, just pulled me in more and more and more and more and more and more. So it sounds to me like you you, you had some choices, right? You can continue to roll with the criminal element. Yeah, you could go with whoever the people that work out, they're into fitness and all that. And I know you did some of that yourself, but like, but it sounds like you kind of were gravitated towards the intellectuals and the philosophers. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, like I met my, I met the means of an end with the criminal thing. Like yeah. the the rate I was going, I put it in perspective like this: you go through school, kindergarten through twelfth grade, all right? It was thirteen year period. Like I didn't do it right the first time, so I had to go back, and I did up just short of thirteen years in prison. So once that clicked for me, like. I, the criminal, it's, it's either this or I'm going to be dead one day. You know what I mean? And I want more for myself. I want more for my family. I, they deserve more. I deserve more. So, like, it was just, this ain't the life for me. Right. You know what I mean? As much as I thought it was at that time, Yeah. like, it, it became real clear. The things that was happening around me in prison, like the movies, that's not, that's not even close. Yeah. You know, to actually being there and seeing what's going on. I don't want this. Right. You know what I mean? But I'm here. I need to make the best of it. Yeah. And in order to do that, I need to be with people like this, yeah. those guys. You know what I mean? And that's what happened for it's me. It's fascinating, man. That's that's spectacular. Yeah. I applaud that. Um, so you're growing up, little kid. Mm -hmm. I asked you a little bit ago what was your first encounter with, with getting in trouble. So, so you kind of gave us like, the middle part of your story, right? Because mm -hmm. that's that's also in the past. But like, let's take it back just a little bit. We don't have to spend a lot of time there. But like, you, you kind of got off on the right wrong, wrong. 
like on the wrong foot, like as a little kid, right? Mm -hmm. Take us a little bit through your growing up days. Okay, growing up, uh, I was raised by a single mother. My dad, I knew who he was, but he wasn't in, he wasn't in my life. And it was just my mom, and I got five sisters, five older sisters. And the one that's closest to me, we six years apart. So when I started going to school, kindergarten, uh, she would walk me to school. My mom worked full-time in the factory, and uh, so she would be gone in the morning. So when I wake up in the morning, my sister would get me ready for school. We would walk to school together. After that first school period, uh, hold on, let me tell this. <laughs> this is crazy. All right, let me tell you what happened. Okay. Kindergarten. This is what my day looked like. My sister would wake me up, get me together, walk me to school. Now, back then, you only had half-day kindergarten. Yep. You either go in the a.m. or the p.m. I went in the a.m. so my sister could walk me to school. So she's at school a full day. My mom's at work full time. There's nobody to look after me. So what my mom would do was she would put together an envelope every morning. And the envelope had the exact amount of money it took for me to take a cab from my elementary school to daycare by myself, five, six years old. You know what I mean? I had to take this envelope to the office. They'll call me a cab. And then I would uh, get in the cab, give the cab driver the money, take me to daycare until my, until my mom got off work. Every day as a five, six, year, six <sighs> years old. It was the most embarrassing. I remember. It was I still don't trust myself to take a cab, man. <laughs> Seriously, at <laughs> age five. So, um, wow. Now the next school year, first grade, my sister's going off to middle school. Yeah. So my mom can't take me to school, and I just kind of clicked up with a group of kids from my neighborhood that would walk to school, and we'll walk to school as a as a group. And prior to this school year, I didn't have any relationship. It's just like some random kids that I know I go to school with from the neighborhood and we'd walk to school together. But we would stop at a gas station every morning before school and get snacks. And they were stealing them. So naturally, you know, I started stealing them too. And I ended up getting caught out the group. And the owner, well, the worker at the gas station called the police. The police came and got me, took me downtown, called my mom. And... Uh, it was probably one of the worst beatings. That was not a good day. Yeah, that was one of the worst beatings I ever got. <laughs> and then took me to school after I got the beating. Like, you still going to school. And she went back to work. So that was like the first, my first encounter. So we're going to fast forward a little bit, okay? Okay. So this continues for you. Like, you're growing up. You're getting in trouble. Your first real encounter with the law then in terms of like having to actually pay the penalty happened. Right after you're a minor, right? You're 18 years old now. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about there. And then started, and then tell us about what happens next. Okay. So 18 years old, this group of friends that I got, we've been friends for for years. You know what I mean? We, we, we come up together. We're a pretty tight-knit group. So they got an idea to start, like, robbing banks. Mm. And the friend that brought me the idea, like, I saved my friend for a long time, so... And it wouldn't be the first, like, thing wrong that we did together. So I'm like, man, if he ain't, you know, it ain't it ain't something that I want to do. But I feel like, you know, us being such a tight-knit group, I don't want to be the one to let them down. And they so stuck on the idea. So I started entertaining the idea. And naturally, you know, it, it unfolded and we did it. And I ended up getting incarcerated. We got away with it initially. 
And I ended up getting incarcerated like six months later down the road. And like after an investigation. Yeah. This was the first time I was I felt like I was by myself. You know what I mean? I'm not locked up with my friends. I don't have my mom. I don't it's just me mm. as an adult now. And a new environment with other adults, you know what I mean, who part of the same lifestyle that I was trying to be a part of, you know what I mean? So instantly it gets put in perspective for you really quick. Like you don't make decisions for yourself no more. All the decisions being made for you, you know what I mean? And it's just like the energy in there is just, man, it's, it's like, man, this is not, this is not where I want to yeah. be. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm still stuck on. It's all I, I feel like this is all I know. It's the only option I have. So I gotta get used to it. You know what I mean? I gotta learn to adapt. I gotta, you know what I mean? And that's what I chose to do initially, up to that. So. I was able to post bond, so I posted bond and um, got out initially. I was out on bond for almost a year for a while before I had to go deal with the charges. And during that time, I still, like it didn't click. I didn't sit down long yeah. enough, so I'm still feeling like, like in the moment, oh, I don't want to be here. But after I got took out of it, oh, it wasn't nothing. You know what I mean? I'm still yeah. caught on trying to be this dude, you know what I mean, and be with my friends, and we just, you know what I mean, out committing crimes, doing whatever. So I ended up doing it again. Like, you know, after paying a lawyer, after bonding out, after, and then at this time, like, I'm I'm paying my mom's rent, I'm doing everything for myself, I'm trying to hold the family down the best that I can, like, it's just coming and going, so I decided to do it again. We, we got away again the second time. Until uh, I go to face the charges for my original case, my state case that happened. So when I go and get sentenced, I'm going in confident, thinking that you know I never, I never been in any serious trouble before. I'm young, you know. Maybe my lawyer, you know, they're some of the best talking people in the world. He made it seem like I wouldn't do a day in jail. You know what I mean? Just to give them, just to pay them. And uh, I ended up getting sentenced to eight years. Which at that time, Indiana, you would do 50% of your time. So it was the A do four. I was right before my 19th birthday. And I just, like, I ain't gonna lie. Seeing my mom for the first time behind, like, through a glass, it broke me down. You know what I mean? Like, I knew, like, seeing I let my mom down, that part of it. That was the only thing I was concerned about. Like, leaving my mom was just, like, the worst feeling in the world. But I knew, you know, this is what I gotta do. It's the road I gotta do. So I was just stuck on. Hey, this 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 who I am now. You know what I mean? I got and I was doing everything wrong in prison at first. Like I was into drugs. Like I was trying to sell them, make money. I was trying to use them. You know what I mean? I was getting into fights. I was like everything wrong all the way through that my state sentence. Like halfway through. Two years in, the other bank robbery that we committed, that investigation blew up. One of my friends that was involved in that ended up committing another bank robbery with some of the other friends that I had that wasn't locked up. And the there was a police officer inside the bank when it happened. And they got into a shootout with each other. And one of my friends died. 
in that in that bank robbery. And one of the friends that survived just so happened to be the friend that I did the bank robbery with prior to. So he decided to tell, you know what I mean, cooperate with that case and like blew blew the investigation open. So they brought more charges. So here it is. I'm thinking I'm on my way home to my family right before my 21st birthday and um, they bring an indictment. So now speed it up a little bit. Like I got, you know, once I once I got sentenced and everything, I got another decade to do. And this time it's federal charges. So I got to do 85%. Then on top of that, you don't know where you're going to end up. With the in the BOP and the uh, Bureau of Federal Prisons, they can send you pretty much anywhere. You know what I mean. And you don't know until you go through your classification period and you on your way. Then they tell you. They don't tell you like ahead of time. That's a whole nother ball game. Like from the federal prisons to the state. Like the state is like it, the state facility I was at was like a like going back through school. You know, it's like a bunch of kids, a bunch of immature kids, just you know whatever. The feds, I I went because of the nature of my crimes. I ended up going to a maximum security federal prison, um, Terre Haute, Terre Haute, Indiana, in 2010. And like it was, it looks like I don't know if you guys ever seen them before driving past or whatever, but it looks like a military base. It, just the look of it is intimidating. You know what I mean? And uh, it was a new prison at the time, only a couple of years old. And I remember the guard, this was one of those moments where I knew this is what this wasn't for me. We on the bus, on the bus ride in there, and the guard was like, uh, hey, all you guys that don't that don't know about Terre Haute, he said, let me give you a little bit of advice. Get your paperwork, which is the there's a list of things. When you go into the when you go to the federal prison, they want to know who they're dealing with. So you gotta have you know, paperwork to show, like, about your case or whatnot. So the CO is telling you to get your paperwork and get you a knife. And I'm like, this is like, this, is the C, this is a CO, correctional officer, telling us, you know what I mean? We need to get, no, nah, this ain't. So I'm like, yeah, this playtime, it's over, you know what I mean? And I'm 21 years old going into this and come to find out the facility Terre Haute at that time was uh it was eighty five percent of the people had life sentences there, and here I come with I had ten more years added to my sentence, so I had ten years basically to do, which was nothing. You know those guys are doing anything for ten years. You know what I mean? So I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm about to do when I get up here. You know what I mean? Like I don't know nobody. None of the people that I grew up with is here. I don't even know nobody in the federal system. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the state. When I got to the state prison, I'm like, it was almost like a reunion. I knew so many people from my neighborhood, people I went to school with, people. So it was a sense of comfort there. But the but the federal, it was way different. Like I was alone. So I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. So when I get there, it's, it's segregated by race pretty much. But within that... If you if you aren't if you don't belong in a gang, you have to uh, join like a car they call it, which is basically like just a clique based off where you from. So since I wasn't a part of any gang, I hung out with the guys from Indiana, from the state of Indiana. But you got people here from all over 
the U.S. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody's segregated by the state they come from. So I'm like, man, I don't, like, man, I don't know what you know. What I'm saying what I'm about to do up in here. You know what I mean? So I, I asked the leader of the, the, that particular card that we got, like, man, you know what I mean? Like, like, what's up? What what? He like, man, how old are you? Like I'm 21. He like 21 years old. My like, yeah, he was like, yeah. Instantly let me know I was I was the youngest person there at the time. And he was like, man, what you what you do to get here? You know, so well, I'm explaining my charges and stuff, and he gave me a slip or whatever to get my uh, paperwork in, so everybody, you know, what I'm saying, could see what I'm in here for and all of that. And uh, he could see like that I was uncomfortable. He could see like me being nervous and maybe like scared you know what i mean a little intimidated like not really knowing what to expect because i'm and he was like man i'm gonna be all right you're gonna be all right you know what i mean like one thing about this man we gonna take care of you but me i'm thinking about stuff i see on tv like you don't take care of me like <laughs> you ain't about to do nothing to me you know what i mean in my head like i'm just real tense on edge with everything you know what i mean i don't want to do nothing to nobody and i'm not gonna let nobody do nothing to me and that's kind of like the energy I'm giving off. And he was like, we're going to take care of you. Like, we're not going to let nothing happen to you. We're going to do everything that we can for you to make sure you get up out of here because you getting up out of here, unlike us. And it was like, because I ain't never had my dad, you know what I mean? And I had no older brothers, no uncles, no nothing. I was raised by women. So, and it was exactly what he said it was. You know, it's an intimidating place, but they literally raised me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and it wasn't once they seen like man he not he not gonna spend the rest of his life here he's not trying to you know what I'm saying live a criminal lifestyle like he trying to do what he got to do and get up out of here and like I was that's exactly what happened like they them dudes in that facility only spent two two years there at the maximum before my security level dropped and I was able to go somewhere else but them guys there um, we spoke. The other day about putting how how I developed the means like put things in perspective for people real quick. They did that for me, you know what I mean. It's real simple. If you don't want to spend the rest of your life in something like this, then you need to fix yourself because this is this is the result of the lifestyle that you live in. So if you don't want to do this, if you can't handle this, that's fine. You know what I mean. We gonna support you. We gonna help you. But you gotta make the decision. You know what I mean. Because once you leave here. And, and I read this morning, actually, I looked it up before I came in here, the recidivism rate for people to, um, to get, out of, get out of prison. And 700,000 people are released from prison every year. Seven million people are released from jails and you know, other facilities. So over seven million people basically are released from incarceration every year. And within a three year period, Two out of three of them are rearrested. Unbelievable. And I just came up on my three years, three years being out. So you're beating the statistics oh, right yeah, now. I'm gonna keep beating them. That's right, man. I love that. I'm gonna definitely beat them. It, it's you had to go to prison to find your mentors. Exactly. And those guys helped redirect your life. Exactly. And help pull you out of that pit of crime and trouble. Yep. That you'd been living in. Yeah. Exactly. Then, but you still had a lot more time to do. Yep. I mean, especially for a young man, right? Because yeah. now you got but what, another eight years in front of you. Yep. When you leave Terre Haute. Yep. You made a decision, though. I'm guessing around that time. 
Yep. And you're just going to do things differently now. Yep. That decision, when I went to my next spot, which was actually still at Terre Haute, is just Terre Haute has three compounds. You got the maximum security prison, you have the medium security prison, and then you have the camp. So I left the maximum security prison to go to the medium security prison. And at that time, like anybody that goes through the federal system, they know the USP prisons, which is the maximum security, is the worst of the worst. You get a guy that comes to a lower security prison from a higher security prison, automatically, you know, they, it's like he's a rock star or something. Like, you just left the USP. Like, you know what I mean? People, it's, it's weird, but yeah. that's, that's the reality of okay. it. So I had a platform uh. within, because it's the same structure. When I leave the maximum to the medium, I still got the guys from Indiana that I'm a part of, just a different group of guys. You know what I mean? And... Some of those guys are, you know, like, oh, man, he from the USP. Oh, he, like, he must be, like, like real tough or something. Or, you know what I mean? What you do to get there? You young. You you know what I mean? Like, But I had a, a more calm, peaceful presence coming, like, because I had already made a decision in my mind. You know what I mean? So the platform that I have, I'm using it to try to almost instill, like, fear in them. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what you want, bro. Mm -hmm. Same way I, I just got to see it the first hand. You know what I mean? And that's not what you want. You know what I mean? You don't want to be in a place that you lock down in your cell 24 hours out the day for maybe half the month because every week somebody's getting either killed or severely damaged. You know what I mean? You don't want to be, you don't want that. You can't see your family. You can't call your family. You sit in the cell, like, getting wet baloney in a bag that falls out before they even hand it to you. Like, you you don't want that for the rest of Like, I'm trying to to break that thirst for that lifestyle that yep. they want. You know what I mean? By my experiences, using my experiences to share it with them. And it works sometimes. And other times, it's like, oh, man, he a chump. He ain't trying to. You know what I mean? And the, that's, that's the approach that I came with the new facility, which led me to a new group of guys mm -hmm. to network with. Yeah. Once people see you being authentic, once people see, you know, okay, you want to go that route and you standing on it and that's who you with now, it, it, it almost become like, hey, you know what I mean? Look, 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 look who he is now compared to, you know, who we thought he was, the yeah. change. Once people see that change, they want it. Right. They just afraid, you know, to ask for it or afraid to like how do I how do I get, you know what I mean? And I try to I try to be that that leverage that that medium point for them. Like, man, listen, nobody's gonna judge you for wanting to, you know, better for yourself. And if they do, why you wanna be around them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Ultimately that's the goal. It's easy to go over there, or it's easy to spend the rest of your life in prison. Just keep doing what you do, or do more of what you're doing. And it's so you you have a platform now, and you're you're kind of carrying this. Now you're you're still a young, very young man. You're still a young man as we speak, but but you know now you're carrying this message because you got a responsibility. You feel right. You've been exposed to something. You're like, that's the last thing you want, man. I've been I've been around the block. Hook up with this new group of people. Start to go deeper, learning about yourself. It sounds like there's a good bit of self-discovery that's going on now, right? Mm -hmm. There's your, your reading. You've got some mentors in your life. You're starting to feel a new direction happening. What, what starts happening in your mind's eye 
as you are changing and going through this transformation? I mean, I, I felt, I started feeling indestructible, man. Like, everything that I was afraid of, I'll just start attacking it. But it was only from, like, a book, we books, like you was kind of saying earlier. Like, everybody got their own story. And your experiences, if you share them with me, can potentially be life-saving for me. You know what I mean? Or maybe not for me, but somebody I know. Sure. Because I can share your story with whoever, you know what I mean? And just that little bit of information is, is life. It can save somebody, you know what I mean? So that's what I, that's what I do. I bury myself in, because there's only so much I can tell you about my life prior at that point. You know what I mean? I did the same things that, that you guys were doing to get here. It's, that story gets old. So the only way for me to get a new story and new information and share and help people is to read. You know what I mean? I have to get other people's experience. Yeah. I have to get information that maybe they've never heard of before to try to intrigue them and draw them in. And I was seeing the fruits of that. I was seeing not only in myself, when I pick up the phone and call my family or if my family come to see me, they just like, wow. You know what I mean? The transformation. Yeah. And I like seeing that in other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's became addictive. Yeah. I love that. I, I really do. Like, I, I think that the depth that I'm hearing and feeling from you, man, like as we're having this conversation right now, I'm getting an understanding of what's rooting you and anchoring your you in your in in your life these days. And I, I, I think that whole idea of reading, that's why, you know, we talked about it in terms of the discipline of reading. And then it becomes a hunger. And then it becomes a thing that just like you you become almost dependent on it. And I think the wisdom in it is the voice of many mentors then get is spoken into us when we when we take it in and when we willfully go down that path. So I love what you're saying because I think that sets you up to be um, that person for others. That's what I hear you describing right now. This episode of Lippert Built to Lead podcast is brought to you by the Lippert Academy for Leadership, the team committed to enhancing your organization's leadership and cultural goals with strategic leadership development programs, on-site training, executive coaching, speaking engagement, and customized solutions. Find out how to get your organization involved at www.lci1.com backslash academy. Or send us a message at academy at lci1.com. That's academy at lci, the number one, dot com. I want to switch gears here for a minute, okay? I want to kind of speed up current state. So this is this is Nate over here. Everybody's like, what's that guy doing sitting there? You know, it's just like, that's Nate Palmatier. Nate's your leader, right? One of the leaders in the on the Axel group over here. Nate, just tell me, so we're, we're hearing his story, like his life story over here, man. Like, tell me, how do you put the pieces together? Like when Darius is kind of coming into the mix here, knowing what you know about what his past is, now the way that he interacts with his team. I'm just curious to get your angle on on how these things all fit together. Oh, he's an influencer, so um, he's the guy that we can count on to, to really lead the people in a different kind of way than what we can. So... Um, you know the, the talk the talk with them versus how we to talk to people it's it's not it's entirely different so um, it really it really helps probably more than what he realizes and, and and you know we really couldn't do it without him yeah he's a big big piece of the puzzle that's for sure so what else uh, what, what else how does he model this because I've heard other things about Darius you know from other people around here and like like this dude's one of the most reliable people we got so just describe what he's what it's like to work with this guy 
Oh, it's great. I mean, he's here every day, gets along with everybody, and he gets along with them in a different way. Like I said, than we can. He um, he knows them. He knows the people just as well, if not better, than you know us do as leaders. So yeah, that's fantastic. It, it's awesome. Yeah. So tell me about Axel Work, man. Like you, you've obviously chosen to invest here. I I like the story that you told me when we first met about like how you got here because because yeah. you came you you went into incarceration at a very young age. Yeah. So you came out like. Yeah, I came out, uh, I was 30, right before my 32nd birthday, 31. And like I said, I, I spent my entire adulthood incarcerated, so I didn't have any work experience. The people that I knew and grew up with who was in the workforce, like I didn't have any communication with them while I was locked up. I basically, I didn't have nothing to come home to, like no type of security as far as the workforce go. So I was just like, man, I gotta provide for myself. I'm a grown man, you know what I mean? And I got all these ideas in my head of what I wanna do, but it's it's a, a process getting there. So getting into the workforce, I start filling out applications. And I probably filled out close to 10, applied to like 10 different places. And all of them, it was the same thing. Like I could never put anything in the work history part. Even, you know, communicating with a person doing the interview or I'm handing my application into, they, you know, um, well, you think you can do this or do it? And I got to give an honest answer. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to learn. It's the only thing that I can. And I knew that incarcerated. I knew I was coming home to that. And that was another uh, motivating factor to me. You know, if I, if I, if I don't have work experience... I got to at least make myself presentable and be able to have a conversation with anybody yeah. about almost anything, you know what I'm saying? Just being able to to do that, and that's I work real hard on that. So I applied to all these different places, you know, look, and I was starting to feel the pressure, like, you know, I got to provide for myself, you know what I mean? And if I don't get in this way, it could trigger me back down, you know what I mean? As bad as I don't want it to, and it's bad, it's a reality, you know what I mean? So I'm like, man, I got it. So I took a leap and I jumped on Facebook, social media, which is which is new for me. Mm-hmm. Cause as long as I've been locked up, I got locked up before smartphones and all that. <laughs> all right? This is I don't whole new world now. <laughs> yeah. So I jump on Facebook and I'll just make a, a post about uh like, hey, you know, anybody that know me, anybody, like, I need a job, you know what I mean? Anybody can help me out. And uh, uh, Phil, Phil Kurtz, the HR here at Lippert, uh, on nights, he reached back. And I remember Phil from uh, school, too, but he, he went to Central, but I remember him from He was like, man, look, you, he said, I, come in, I can't promise you nothing. Just come in for, uh, for an interview. And uh, it's night shift, you know what I mean? And we'll go from there if if you're willing to come in. And I was like, oh, I'll be there. You know what I mean? This is it. You know what I mean? If it's either this or nothing, you know? So it really didn't matter. I just knew this is what I had to do. Yeah. So when I get here, you know, Phil, he was great, man. He 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 already knew a little bit about my, my situation. And he was, don't worry about none of that. You know what I mean? It's a new page for you. Just... I'm just giving you the opportunity, right. but you got to put the work in. You know what I mean? Don't let me down, basically. I'm, you know, I worry about that. So when they take me on my tour, Cruz took me on my on my tour. Okay. Yeah, Cruz took me on my tour, 
and showed me around. And he was like, you see anything that you would? I'll just see these big machines and all like <laughs> everybody. It's, it looked crazy to me because I've never been in on the production floor or nothing before. Okay. I've never been in a factory before. So I'm like, bro, just wherever you need help at, man, put me there. You know what I mean? Train me. And I'm gonna give him my best shot, you know. That's all I could, that's all I could say. He's like, oh, of course he sized me up, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's like, I, I know where, you, I know where you'll fit at. And um, that's how I got the offline torsions. And I was excited to be doing something new, but at the same time, it was challenging, man. Yeah. Because prime example, and I joke about this with all the new guys coming in. When you file an application, they ask you if you know how to read a tape measure. Of course, everybody say, yeah, everybody thinks they know how to read a tape measure. You think you just take a measurement. and So that's what I did. Like, yeah, I don't read a tape measure. But when it's time to take like take two different measurements, find the difference, and now you it's, whoa, hold on. I didn't know, you know what I mean? This is part of reading the tape measure. So, But I got to learn. It's the position you want me at. And one thing about me, like, I don't like, not being able, like, if I, if I start to do something, I don't like, like, being out done. I'm competitive. You know, I got that competitive spirit. So, I got to get this, man. I'm going to do it. And I took the tape measure home. And I don't even, I don't, I never told, like, I think I told Brad before. But I don't really tell too many people. But I really didn't know how to read the tape. I took the tape measure home. And I was just measuring stuff. And I'm like, man, how do you... Uh, and and I, I literally taught myself by just taking the tape measure home and dealing with the tape measure. Came back to work and got that part down, and I started falling in love with it. Once I start seeing, like, wow. man, it ain't as hard as I thought. When you apply yourself, it's not really as hard as I yeah. thought. And then, you know, people noticing, too, like, man, you you getting to just building confidence and keep going. I start liking it. And it's just being able to share that. What I learned with other people who coming in on the new, trying to train them and seeing, like, man, seeing them catch on and get it, it's just, it's fun. It's addictive, yeah. you know, with that. The physical demand of the job, I was loving that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was get, basically getting paid to work out. <laughs> get paid to work out. That's <laughs> a great attitude. I love was, that. Was, I, don't you wish more people had that attitude, getting paid to work out? No, man, listen, your story is quite powerful. It really is. Mm. And, like, uh, I guess my, Nate, I want to give you an opportunity to speak to it, too, just in terms of what you're seeing in him these days, if, if you would. But uh, let me just say this, man, like, we're, uh, I don't mean to sound condescending in any way, but we are very proud of you, man. Like, just the choices you've made and the way that you have crafted your life and rewritten your story. I applaud that, man. So thank you for sharing that with us. What a great lesson for all of us as, as we listen to you to just make something of a really bad situation. And I, I have so much respect for that. But the idea of the way that you've rewritten your story, man, and, and how reading and some of those early voices, it's, it's really quite powerful. So thank you. Thank you, Darius. I, I don't know what Nate. I want to be, give you one more chance to kind of speak into this before we before we close this up. But what, what do you see going forward for this young man over here? I, I, I mean, we got a view of like he's a student of the, what you guys are doing. Absolutely. You guys are making axles, 
and like this dude's measuring everything at home like he's studying on his own and becoming an expert like all by himself i mean what do you what do you see going forward i mean he's definitely got the potential to be you know in leadership he definitely already is now i mean it, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't take a title to be a leader and people follow him he, he probably not doesn't know it or maybe he does but people would definitely you know watch what he does and listen to what he says um, you know, the, the sky's endless for him. Uh, I remember, I remember previous leadership talking about him. How you know, give me a brief, quick bit of his story and um, and how he exceeded everything that they've ever expected yeah. out of him. And, and it's awesome to work alongside him. And I'm lucky enough too. So yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, he's definitely a guy we can count on. I was thinking the same thing. You know, like you really don't need a title to be a leader. If leader is, in, is being if being a leader is indeed influence, then, you know, I think you recognize that a long time ago, mm -hmm. you know. Any final thoughts, man? Like what what what's the last thing that's on your mind as we kind of wrap this time up together? I just wanted to say, you know, you sitting here thanking me, I want to thank the company Lipper just for the the opportunity like cuz I really I really came home to nothing. You know what I mean? Like I was literally maybe a couple of days away from it being real bad for me, you know what I mean? So just, and I've always felt like that sense of loyalty through whatever adversity I had here through the company, whatever, I always, like, I never really wanted to give up on it. I pushed through it, you know what I mean? Based, like, my loyalty, mm. you know what I mean? And so I want to thank the, thank the company and the people within the company who gave me that opportunity. And, um, yeah, final thought, though, to sum everything up, this is, I want to leave with this for listeners, anybody, just to show how a little bit of information can save somebody. Now, the bank robbery happened because, one, I came, I was, my mom, we, we had a roof over our head and we had food. That was it. You know what I mean? So I always wanted money. I thought money was everything. I always wanted money. I wanted a lot of money. As an 18-year-old kid, I came across from the bank robbers and everything, what I felt like was a lot of money, six figures, right? And I got it the best way that I knew how to get it at that moment because I didn't have any information. I didn't have the right education. I didn't have the right people showing me, you know what I mean, how to get legitimate money. And with the information that I acquired throughout the incarceration, it's funny that I put myself in that type of situation where I, it could have cost me my life, you know, for less, for six figures. When now, with the opportunity Lipper gave me, with the right people around me learning how to build credit, how important credit is from not even knowing what credit was, sure. you know what I mean? Well, I could walk in the bank today and they would give me the money. Yeah. they give me the money. There you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it literally... It's that easy. Yeah. But I, I didn't have the information. Right. You know what I mean? So that's what I want to leave. And that's interesting you put it that way, you know, because not all of us have the frame of reference that you do, right? Mm -hmm. And so to hear your angle on that little bit of information, that one thing that you share could be life or death for somebody, mm -hmm. that's the world that you come from. And, and it is a reality for all of us, whether we know it or not. Mm -hmm. we, we may offer that to somebody, and it might be life-saving. We're just not aware of the situation. And so I, I appreciate that angle, man, and, and definitely your insight on so many things. As a very young man, you're very wise, and, and we're just really, really grateful for that. And, and friends, when, when we talk about, you know, business being a force for good, this is kind of what we're talking about. I, I, I would say it, it is indeed what we're talking about in terms of, like, the support system that you found here. 
you, you got another chance, you know, without, without a work background. We truly do our very best. Like, I, we're not unlike a lot of businesses out there. We're not saying good things don't happen at other businesses. They do. We acknowledge that. I'll tell you what we're good at, though, here at Lipper. Like, we do this on purpose every day. Every day we do this on purpose. And I, I would say probably all of us in this room are, are somewhat proof of that. But we're really proud, man, just again. And thanks so much for sharing your, your story. So, folks, as we, as we wrap up, just want to remind you once again that, you know, as part of our journey in terms of our leadership transformation, we're happy to come alongside you in any way possible. If you want some more information, you can email us at academy at lci1.com. Again, I'm Edgar Cabello, one of the leadership directors here at Lippert with Darius and with Nate. Thanks, guys, for joining me today. We'd be just honored if you would share this podcast with somebody, maybe somebody that needs to hear Darius's message. And we would greatly thank you for that in advance. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us and know that together we can use the 40 or 50 hours a week we have to influence and impact others and truly make business a force for good in this world. If you don't mind, do me a favor and leave your comments for us and share this episode with a few people. The world needs this message. Thanks again for joining us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the view or mission of Lippert Components Incorporated.